This morning, scripture reading comes from Genesis 39, chapter, or verses 1 through 9. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge to the household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptians because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care, with Joseph in charge, and he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house, no one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then I could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? This is the word of the Lord for us. A long time ago, a Chinese farmer lost his horse. All the neighbors came around to console him. Ah, this is bad. The farmer said, maybe. Shortly thereafter, the horse returned, and it brought with it a friend. The farmer now had two horses. The neighbors came around again saying, oh, this is so good. What a good fortune. The farmer said, maybe. The next day, the farmer's son was working with this new horse, the one the other horse had brought with him, for it hadn't been tamed yet. And in trying to tame it, he broke his leg. And you can imagine what the neighbors said, oh, this is bad. And the farmer said, maybe. For it wasn't long after that that the emperor called for all the young men to go and fight his war. And of course, the son was exempt because of the broken leg. <laughs> what good fortune! The friend said, and the farmer said, maybe. This is an often told Chinese parable. And it reminds us that not everything that appears to be bad really is bad. Remember, just last week I told the story of the guy who was marooned on an island and burned down his shelter, and that's what ended up saving him. Things are not always what they seem. And for the person who puts their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ... We believe God is in control. And so even through turbulent times, he is with us. And he cares for us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let me introduce myself. My name is John. I serve as lead pastor here at MCA. Thrilled that you are with us this morning. I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. So we are doing a sermon series in the life of Joseph. In fact, we've been working our way through the book of Genesis and his story comprises the large section, almost 25% of the book, at the end. And when you look at the life of Joseph, you just see these sorts of twists and turns, those sorts of ups and downs. Like, so God has big plans for his life, but they don't unfold overnight. He is especially loved by his father. Yay! But he was hated by his brothers. Ugh. He was chosen to be the heir to the father's estate with this robe of many colors. Yay! But he gets thrown into the cistern because of the hatred of his brothers. Ugh. He gets pulled out of the pit 
because of his one brother, Reuben. They say he should, they shouldn't kill him. Yay! But then they sell him to the Ishmaelites into slavery. Ugh. <laughs> like all of these things just keep happening in Joseph's life. He's now a slave in Egypt. Ugh. But he gets promoted, as we just heard from the scripture reading. He's now the highest in charge of the house of Potiphar. Yay! But then he's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, and he's thrown in prison. Ugh. When you study the life of Joseph, it is a roller coaster. It is very high highs and very low lows. And so we're going to pick up his story this morning in Genesis chapter 39. I hope you brought your Bible with you this morning. Open it up. Turn to Genesis chapter 39. Joseph has freshly arrived in Egypt. He has been sold to the house of Potiphar. He's fresh off the caravan of slave traders. Now, let me just tell you a little something about Egypt and the culture that that this young Hebrew boy has now found himself in. We know a lot about this culture. Let me just share a little bit. Egypt is a land and a people, a culture known for excellence in what they do. We're talking like world class. So uh, buildings would be an example. The pyramids of Egypt. Did you know that some of the stones used in their pyramids weigh in excess of 15 tons? They were innovators in building. Their construction, still a marvel today, all these thousands of years later. They pioneered in astronomy. They are the ones who developed the solar year of the calendar of 365 and a quarter days. Medicine, art, weaponry, history. They actually, in in this particular uh, empire, when Joseph arrived, they had thousands of scribes or historians. And they were dedicated to preserving and keeping records, maintaining the history books, and continuing to add to them. A government system that was really complicated with a variety of levels and officials, but they seemed like they worked with efficiency and unity. They made progress. They maintained the well-being of their people. And so, again, it's into this environment that Joseph arrives. We should say, It's into this environment that the Lord put Joseph. (laughs) Because what do we know about him? He excels at everything he does. He's like King Midas. (laughs) Whatever he touches turns to gold. He he operates with excellence in everything we did. Remember, we we talked about this recently with with Joseph, who's sometimes uh, painted as this, oh, he was a little tattletale. His brothers were doing wrong and he was telling on them. It's like, no, that's not his character. He's a man who did things with excellence. And so whether it was small or great, Joseph operates with diligence, with excellence. And so we're going to see that Joseph gets elevated to the highest conceivable role in all the land of Egypt, which is this powerhouse in the world. He gets elevated to that that role. And, And really his life illustrates a biblical principle, and it's listed in Proverbs 22, 27, Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. So let's get into the story for this morning. He's in the house of Potiphar. He's a slave there. Um, But instead of giving up, like, boy, this is, is, how could I go any lower? I'm a slave. I, I literally belong to someone else to work for them. 
He doesn't get depressed. He doesn't curse God saying, I had this great dream of people bowing down to me. He just stays diligent. He keeps his faith. He believes that the Lord is in control. He has so much faith that he's listed in the great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But it's not going to be easy. And so we saw there in verse 6, we're in Genesis chapter 39, that he was well built and handsome. Not too different from the description of his mother, who was the beauty queen, Rachel. So he gets his looks from his mom. (laughs) He's a handsome dude. Potiphar's wife takes notice of him. She wants to have an affair with him, but he refuses. And one day, she presses the issue. It says the house was empty except for the two of them. You wonder if maybe she had prearranged that, sent people on errands, whatever. So it's, it's empty except for the two of them, and she tries to force herself on him, and Joseph flees. He takes off. He leaves her standing there with his cloak in her hand. And what does she do? She spins a tail. She lies. She says he's the one who was trying to make sport of her. And as a result, we read in verse 20, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. We're going to see later in his story that this prison, it's referred to as a dungeon. I also think it's interesting because this is the second time that Joseph has lost a garment, right? His coat of many colors, stripped of him, taken from him by his brothers, and now his cloak. One commentator I read this week says it this way, he lost his coat, but he kept his character. (laughs) Now, we've studied just before this the life of Jacob. I don't have time to recap all of his life. That would be Joseph's father. But his is so often a lesson what not to do. In Joseph, it's usually how to walk by faith. Joseph is a man of integrity. He's a man of character. So, So often, Jacob's life is, here's what not to do. But in Joseph's life, in so many ways, it mirrors Jesus, and it points us to the cross. And he shows us, what does a life look like that's lived by faith? For someone who trusts in the Lord, that we're going to experience high highs and low lows, Joseph walks by faith, what happens? And so I want to share with us three encouragements this morning from the life of Joseph. And the first is that God will strengthen you. In all ways, but specifically this morning, as we look at this passage, it's uh, in the face of temptation. So Joseph wasn't immune from it, but when it came, the Lord helped him to stand strong. This woman pursued him, it says, every single day. So what that means is days where he was tired, days where he was hungry, days where he was grumpy, days where he was kind of mistreated. Every single day, it says, she was pursuing him, but she didn't wear him down. Because he lived by conviction. He wasn't about to sin against God or betray his master. So we see there, it's in verse 10. Uh, Although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Or, look at this, even be with her. He said, you know what, I can see. I've I've had this conversation before. I I know what's going to happen. So I'm not even going to be in the same room. I'm not even going to be in the same place. And here's, here's a principle for us today as we study Joseph's life and this, this idea of God's going to strengthen you. Like when temptation comes, he, he is going to help you to rise up strong in the face of it. You don't wait until temptation comes to decide how you're going to act. Like, like this was not a, hmm, let me consider the proposal from Joseph. 
This was a, I have already decided, like God's been good to me and I'm putting my faith in him. My whole life is in his hands. So no matter what comes my way, it doesn't matter what the temptation. So when it's this woman or when it's something else that comes along, he's already made that decision. And so that, that's part of the, the strategy for you and I to stand strong in the face of temptation as well. Is you don't wait until the temptation hits and then say, well, let me think this through. You pre-decide. You've already determined. You've already resolved in your heart, I'm not going to sin against God. I'm going to do what's right. It, it's like an escape route on an airplane. You get on there and the, the flight attendant is, uh, in the event of emergency... Right? Sometimes they got the little arrows on the, on the floor of the plane. It's like, like if, if the worst possible thing happens here, they're like, this is the door that you jump out of, right? They, there's an escape route. Like you have it for buildings as well. Every building's got it posted somewhere. You know, In the event of a fire or something, you're like, here's where you go. Here's what you do. And, and Joseph had that for his spiritual life. I have an escape route. You and I should have that in place as well. Here's what I'm going to do. This is the plan. For him, it was flee. And the scriptures affirm that over and over. You, you flee from temptation. You flee from the devil. And so what does he do? There's no one else around. She's really pressing the issue. See ya. Time for a jog. And out he goes. And listen, temptation comes in a lot of forms, doesn't it? Sometimes we're tempted by foods we shouldn't eat. <laughs> Sometimes we're tempted, a lot of times, we're tempted by gossip. When the conversation is just so juicy. And people are even asking, yeah, what do you think? It's so tempting to just jump right in and say, oh, yeah, 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 that person. Sometimes temptation is in the form of sexual immorality, like it was in the story here of Joseph. Or deceitfulness. You're tempted to lie. You're tempted to really not divulge the whole truth. Sometimes we're tempted with pride or judgmentalism or comfort. We talked about that on Wednesday night in our Bible study with Jerry Schaup. How it's, it's going beyond our comfort zone that we live an extraordinary life for Christ. Sometimes we are tempted to not obey what Jesus has clearly taught. <laughs> because we rationalize it or we, or we kind of think ourselves out of it or we, we talk ourselves out of it. Like um, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. So make disciples. But sometimes we say, well, I'm too young. You're too young? You're not too young. Make disciples. So if you're a middle school student, a high school student, you have access to your peers that I don't have access to, that your youth leader doesn't have access to. That's not a mistake. God has put you there. He wants to use you there. Make disciples. Sometimes we say, I'm too old. I served my time. I have already helped, and now I'm ready to retire from ministry and service to the Lord. No, 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 no. You're to make disciples. Maybe that's with your grandkids, but you make disciples. And so don't disobey what Jesus has clearly told us to do. He commands us that we get baptized. Sometimes we say, oh, but I'm not sure if I'm quite ready. Or, ah, you mean I would have to get up in front of people? That's kind of embarrassing. 
Sometimes we're tempted to not obey the things that he tells us to do. Jesus tells us to go and share the good news. <laughs> like, tell of God's goodness to those you encounter. We think, oh, I'm kind of scared. You know, surely someone else will tell them about Jesus. Or maybe one day if I go off to Bible school, then I could do that. Here's what I see at MCA. I see a group of people who are more spiritually capable than they realize. If I'm just being totally frank with you guys. And I know I'm stepping on some toes this morning. I, I see people who can pray. I see people who can serve. I see people who can encourage others. Who can love with the love of Christ. I see people that are doing that. And that encourages me. So I want to bring this encouragement to you today. Don't, don't fall into that trap and that temptation that says someone else can do it or I'm too old, or whatever the excuse is. Be obedient to do the things that the Lord leads you to do. Does that require faith? Oh, a tremendous amount. God often calls you to do things that you are incapable of doing on your own, and you have to say, I don't know how this is going to work out, but Lord, I trust you. You know what Jesus said? Even faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. Do you think you have faith that's at least the size of a mustard seed? Because I do. So I want you to hear this this morning, church. You can move mountains. And the goal isn't to move mountains. The goal isn't to do wow, awesome, shocking things. The goal is when those temptations come, whether it's in the form of I'm, I'm tempted to be sexually immoral or I'm tempted to be filled with pride or whether I'm tempted to disobey what Jesus has clearly told me to do, I want you to stand strong. And say, I am going to walk by faith. I'm not going to dishonor God. I've already decided that. And so what he calls me to do, I will do. When you do that, my friends, you will stand strong in the face of temptation, just like Joseph did. Ah, but temptations are particularly dangerous when you think that you're secure and standing firm. Well, I'm mature. Well, I'm rooted. Paul warns us about this in 1 Corinthians. Let's turn. Verses 12 through 14, he says, So if you think you're standing firm, be careful. Be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And verse 14, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. And maybe that's the idol of comfort. And maybe that's the idol of my own intellect and rational thinking, which so often says, I'm not the one to do it. Flee from idolatry. Just as Joseph flee, fled from Potiphar's wife, we choose to flee. So his character was tested here. But he didn't waver. He didn't compromise, even when no one else was around. It wasn't even like, well, someone else will see this. The house was empty. It's been said your character is who you are when no one is looking. So Joseph had faith. And when temptation came, the Lord helped him. The Lord strengthened him to stand strong. He provided a way out so that he could endure it, just as the scriptures promise us. But based on his actions, 
he was put in prison. <laughs> but good news, and this is the second point we can learn this morning, as we talk about walking by faith. What is God going to do? He's going to vindicate you. The Lord is going to be the one to defend you. So you can leave it in his hands. When you're falsely accused, as Joseph was here, and this is a big accusation, isn't it? He doesn't even say, let me talk this through with you. It was your wife who... God's going to be the one to vindicate. God is going to be the one to come to his defense. You need only to be still to trust him. You know who else was falsely accused? Jesus. You know who else was silent before his accusers? Jesus. He didn't stand up to proclaim his own defense. <laughs> he was silent. And, and really, hardly anything gets people more upset than someone who is unfairly blamed. Like when someone is punished for something that they didn't do, that gets, that gets people fired up, doesn't it? Wrongly imprisoned, falsely accused. It's like, oh man, the justice system is so flawed. Man, that got pinned on her. She didn't even do anything wrong. Hardly anything gets us more fired up than that. And that's exactly what happened to our Lord Jesus. He was perfect. He was blameless. He had done nothing wrong. And yet he was sentenced to death. And, and in the most agonizing way possible, death on a cross. This was an instrument of pain and humiliation. But just like in the life of Joseph, with its ups and its downs, although the crucifixion and death of our Lord Jesus seems like an ugh moment, it is precisely because of the cross that we have the hope of eternal life. <laughs> One of the yay moments. Because on the third day, by the power of God, he rose victorious from the grave. And he lives forevermore. And who puts trust in him will not be put to shame. But will have the hope of eternal life. That's the good news of the gospel. And that's the reality for you and I. That we walk in hope. Not because our circumstances are always peachy. But because of Jesus and what he endured. What seems like a tragedy so often is part of God's master plan unfolding. So it was in the life of Jesus and his death and his crucifixion and the agony of that place. It was God's triumph. It was his plan of salvation that was unfolding. And so here's Joseph. He is falsely accused and thrown in prison. And I just wonder, as Joseph is in prison there, what... What were his conversations with God like? <laughs> He's just languishing in, a, in an Egyptian dungeon, having done absolutely nothing wrong. And I just speculate that he poured out his heart to God in that place. I, I speculate that in that place, he probably even said, God, why is this happening? God, this is so unfair. But I also think that that prison was a school that taught Joseph lessons he needed to learn. That God just has this way of preparing you for what is next. Maybe God needed to do in the life of Joseph just a little bit more character building. Just a little bit more in terms of who he was and his ability to persevere. He needed Joseph maybe to be a man of prayer. When you're chained up, when you're in an Egyptian dungeon, I suppose there's nothing else you can do but pray. He needed Joseph to exercise his faith when he couldn't do anything else. And so I, I want to just challenge us with this. When tragedy strikes, when you find yourself in that place of darkness and gloom, you're languishing. We so often struggle with, does God really care about me? 
Has God abandoned me? God is always with you. No matter where you go, there's nowhere you can flee from his presence. The scriptures affirm, the Lord says in Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so, yes, he was with Joseph every step of the way. Joseph didn't need to appeal to the Egyptian courts to say, I didn't do anything wrong. He didn't get into a he said, she said situation with Potiphar's wife. He trusted that the Lord would vindicate. The Lord is his judge. The Lord will defend him. God is going to be the one who's going to set him free. Because listen, when you walk by faith, God is going to bless you. Just as he blessed Joseph. He's even going to use your trials for your betterment. He's going to see you through. He's going to call you into that life, as we just talked about. Out of your comfort zone, into extraordinary living, so that he's the one who gets the glory, so that his plan for your life is fulfilled. Paul teaches us about this in Romans chapter 5. I want to look there this morning. We, we see through this teaching that it is, it is through times of discomfort, my friend, that you grow. So Paul says to the church at Rome, perseverance produces character. And therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. Check this out, friends. He says we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope and hope doesn't put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through his Holy Spirit who he's given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Although for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That just fuels my heart. Like... Friend, I, the, the greatest thing I can encourage you with this morning is God's amazing love for you poured out in the person of Jesus. And I know life is difficult. We don't have it all figured out. But will you walk by faith? Because when you do, God will bless you. And it doesn't matter if you're in the lowest of lows or the highest of highs. God will bless you. God will be with you. You might be facing something that's really hard. That's really challenging. But I want to encourage you this morning as we look at the life of Joseph. God is only using it to prepare you for what is next. He's blessing you right where he has you. It reminds me of a Peanuts cartoon I saw once. It's, it's Lucy. She's at her roadside psychiatrist stand. Lo and behold, her first patient is Charlie Brown. Charlie comes in with a heavy heart because of a fire that has destroyed Snoopy's house. <laughs> so, so Charlie Brown takes a seat. And before he can even say anything, you can see he's just dejected. She launches into this uh, advice. There's a real lesson to be learned from seeing Snoopy's house burned down. Adversity builds character. Without adversity, a person would never mature and face up to all the things in life. And Charlie Brown sort of perks up and he says, what things? To which Lucy smugly replies, more adversity. <laughs> so you got God blesses you and prepares you for what's next, which is often more challenging. But you never would have withstood it unless you'd been through the first. And again, it's, it, it happens in God's plan. 
You are entrusted to him. And when you walk by faith, he will bless you. You will prosper in all of those places. As a young man, Joseph becomes Jacob. That's the father, the patriarch. He becomes his right-hand man. When he's in Egypt, he becomes Potiphar's right-hand man when he was a slave there. Then he becomes the prison warden's right-hand man, we see. He, gives, he gets total control of all, all the prison. Now, he's still a prisoner there. He's still locked up, but he's in charge. And eventually, he becomes the right-hand man to Pharaoh himself. So we don't have time this morning to, to go through all of it. Some of the stories are familiar. Let me just paraphrase what happens in the next uh, chapters. So Joseph is wrongly accused, and he's in prison, and he's in there with fellow prisoners, and... Uh, one of which is the cupbearer to Pharaoh. And he interprets the dream. You remember this. There are multiple people who have dreams, and Joseph correctly interprets those dreams. Now, the cupbearer, who was restored to his position after Joseph interpreted his dream, he says to Joseph, hey, I got your back. I'm going to tell Pharaoh about you. We'll get you out of this place. But then it says he forgot about Joseph. Like, we're talking multiple years. So it's another one of those I just interpreted the dream. The cupbearer's been restored. He says, I'm going to get out of this place. Yay! And the cupbearer forgets all about Joseph, and he rots in the prison for two more years. Ugh. But Pharaoh has a dream. And it's the lean cows and the fat cows. And no one can interpret what it is. And all of a sudden, the light bulb goes off for the cupbearer, and he goes, there's a young Hebrew guy, and he's in prison, and he can interpret dreams. And so he remembers Joseph, and they pull Joseph up out of the dungeon, and he comes before Pharaoh, and he interprets the dream. And it's, we're going to have seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. Now, this is going to be huge. I mean, seven years of a drought, it's going to be devastating. Like, no one will survive this. And so we see then Genesis 41, 41, the Pharaoh determines... Joseph and all of what he's capable of doing probably read his resume, heard his track record, and he says to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Now, more on that next week as we study the rest of his life, but he is put in charge of the entire land of Egypt, a land of excellence, world-renowned in their abilities, that's what faith can do. He's totally unlikely. He's a young Hebrew boy. Sold as a slave. And you're telling me the end of chapter 41, he is now promoted to the highest level possible. Inconceivable. That's what faith can do. So I want to infuse hope into your heart this morning. Don't lose heart. No matter what you're facing, press on. And the scriptures say this, if, if God is on our side, who can be against us? And it's not that God's on our side, it's we're on God's side. But who can be against us? Uh, Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon forged against you will prevail. These are the words of the Lord. No weapon forged against you will prevail. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. He's already defeated sin and death and Satan and the power of hell. And so our enemy, and yes, there is a spiritual battle that's waging. In our prayer time this morning before the service, we prayed that each and every one of us would be fitted with the armor of God. There's a spiritual battle that's waging around us, but the, the plan 
the path that our enemy takes is he wants to distract us from Christ. So often he wants us to put the focus on ourselves. What's comfortable for me? What's my preference? What are my circumstances, whether good or bad? Like think about Peter walking on the water. Jesus goes out onto the water. Peter gets out of the boat and he's walking on the water as long as his eyes are fixed on Jesus. But Peter, the minute that his gaze switches and he looks at the wind and the waves, he begins to sink. And the same thing happens in our lives. If our focus is on our circumstances, we sink into the mire. But the scriptures call us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep his word before you. Not just on Sundays. Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and even Saturdays. Get into the Word of God. Let me share a few verses from the Lord. Joshua 1, 8 and 9. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Don't lose heart. Give your situation to God. Watch him come through. No matter what people do to you. No matter what people say about you, entrust yourself to Christ. Seek his kingdom first. He'll see you through the temptation. He'll see you through the ups and downs, like in the life of Joseph, from the prison to the palace. He has a good plan. He's going to carry it out. Will you trust him every step of the way? Let's pray together. Oh, good and gracious God, we thank you for who you are. That you are indeed the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We see your faithfulness in the life of Joseph, a man of integrity and character, a man of excellence, a man of diligence, a young man who didn't make excuses, but who lived for you. And so, Lord, that's so far beyond us. And that's so intimidating. And we know we can't live up. But Lord, we choose very simply today, we're going to put our trust in you. And what you put in front of us today will be obedient. And when you call us to that thing tomorrow and next month and in the spring and next year and five years down the road that we can't see today, Lord, we know that you are preparing us for what is to come. And so we resolve in our hearts today, we're not going to sin against you. We're not going to curse you but we will put our trust in you. We will walk by faith today and every day because of your goodness and because of your abiding presence with us. And so, Lord, we pray that we would live these things out for your glory, that your kingdom would grow and advance, that you would bring into fruition all of those dreams that you've put on our hearts, just like you did in the life of Joseph, for your glory. We pray it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.